Dining at Disney Podcast. With Dining at Disney Podcast, you'll discover all the best restaurants and food as you hungrily explore the Disney parks. Let's do this thing! The Dining at Disney Podcast. And now your hosts, Kristen and Bubba. Welcome to the Dining at Disney Podcast. I'm Kristen. With me, as usual, is Bubba. Hello. And today, we have a very special guest. We have Dave Bossert. He is an author. He's done some things for Disney. Um, You may recognize some of his books. Um, I've got the Roy, uh, Remembering Roy E. Disney. There's that book. You've got Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And coming soon, he's got a 3D Disneyland, which is, I cannot wait for that. It's so cool. So welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you both for having me on. I, I was so excited when you invited me to be on this podcast because I never get a chance to talk about the restaurants at the resorts and I go to a lot of them. <laughs> well, we always like to talk food. So we, we are always all about having anybody who wants to come on and talk about some of their favorite dishes and places to eat and what they love about eating at Disney what makes it different so we're glad you're here I'm glad to be here and uh gosh I am almost starting to get hungry now (laughs) (laughs) that's what happens after the show all the time all the time (laughs) so at least you've got you know a little bit of time before before dinner like that's a bad thing about being out in the central time zone is we always record this during like the time I would normally maybe start making dinner, you know, or think about what I'm going to be making. So by the time I'm done, I'm like, I am so hungry. <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh, it, it, it's like, I'm, I, I think I'm in the sweet spot with Bubba because we're on the West coast. Yep. And by the time we're done with this podcast, it'll be really time for dinner, you know, yep. <laughs> dinner, you know, I know I'm already planning it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about some Disneyland dining. Um, and uh, recently when we talked, Dave, you had mentioned liking award wieners. Yeah, award wieners. I mean, really because I like hot dogs. So, yes. so that that's sort of the root of it. I mean, who doesn't like a good hot dog? I, I generally like my hot dogs with plain mustard, like a nice brown mustard. And maybe I'll put onions on it or... Maybe I'll put a little sauerkraut on it. Ooh. Uh, I like sauerkraut. That's usually the way I like it. And I love when they steam the buns. So you have a nice soft bun. That, to me, is like the perfect hot dog, I have to say. In fact, you know, sometimes when I'm in New York, I I actually will go to Nathan's. uh, Nathan's. And I've, I've eaten at Nathan's Hot Dogs at Coney Island, uh, as well as now they have some franchises around as well. And yes. those, are, those are killer hot dogs. But award wieners gives me that same feeling when I'm down at Disney's California Adventure. 
because they just have an assortment of dogs. I mean, you you have your barbecue crunch dog, your bait. The one of my favorites is the bacon street dog. And that has, you know, red pepper, ketchup, grilled onions, peppers. And then, of course, you can't go wrong with bacon crumbles, which is the pixie dust of the food community. You, you, <laughs> can't, go, you can't go wrong with bacon on anything. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. And then I love their fries, too, with the fries that come with the with the hot dogs just it, they all blend together so nice uh it's killer isn't it it is i mean and they're huge too i mean usually i gotta share with my wife sometimes we just get one dog and we share that and it's kind of like the perfect little couple's snack well i'm I, i'm not i'm not necessarily one for sharing food <laughs> i don't share well at all, at all. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather order a second thing for somebody who's with me than to share mine <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes i'll usually sometimes i'll get the dessert too they have like uh these funnel cake fries uh that are really good too so we usually order some of that with the with the hot dogs i have yeah. not had those yeah, I, I haven't had those either, uh, and you know I'm I'm very snobbish when it comes to French fries. Um, <laughs> like I, I don't particularly care for the French fries in and out burger. Uh, they're just not my my thing. Um, but I love the fries at Five Guys. You know, and and I yeah. think partly because what, I grew up on Long Island back in New York, and there was a local place that made their fries just like Five Guys does. Uh, oh. and, and so I grew up with French fries that were a little thicker cut and, you know, just a little softer. Are uh, those the kind that have the skin on the outside too? Some of them do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the place, this little place I used to go to, uh, growing up, uh, it's called all American burger drive-in and it was a burger stand in my hometown. And believe it or not, I mean, it's been there, I think for, Let's see. I guess it's at least 60 years. It's wow. And it's family operated. There's only one of them. They're on the third generation of owner, you know, the, the family running the place. And it's not unusual to see Jerry Seinfeld there or Alec Baldwin, because those guys were all from that area of Long Island. And so during the summers, you know, it's, it's sort of like every once in a while, you'll spot one of these celebrities pulling in to get some all American burgers and fries. Yeah. Anyway, cool. I know we're supposed to be talking about Disney restaurants. So oh, that's fine. Meandering here. <laughs> we we do this all the time, don't well, we, brother? We all cheese every episode. <laughs> we just stray off when once we get in like a food zone, we just can't stop talking about certain. Yeah, things. because you just kind of you know go all over the place because you're comparing stuff. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. and, well, one uh, of my favorite one of my favorite things when it comes to award wieners, though, is the fact that. They're hot dogs, other than having like your all beef hot dog that's always on the menu, they change that menu and have different hot dogs, you know, available at different times. Like I've seen where they put the mac and cheese on it and yes. things like that. So that's the one thing I like is that they change them out. So there's always something, if you're somebody who's adventurous, there's always something new to try. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and that's really what I like about some of the higher end restaurants at the resort, that they do change things out seasonally. And, and at Disneyland, when they put in executive chef Andrew Sutton, sort of 
the guy, like the Uber chef over yes. the entire resort, um, you know, he, you know, he's the kind of chef that's going to the local farmers markets and he's buying stuff based on what's in season. And that's driving the menu of like Napa Rose and some of the other restaurants. And, and to me, that's so great because when you go down there different times of the year, it's not the same menu. You know, it's like exactly. you're you're going to see some new things on the menu, and uh, and I got to tell you, I, I, we're we're kind of done with award wieners, yes, yes, because <laughs> I just careened into Napa Rose, <laughs> and 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 I think one of the really great experiences I had at the Napa Rose, which for those who don't know, is is the the, the really nice restaurant that uh, that's in the Grand Californian restaurant uh, uh, hotel resort, and the Napa Rose has a chef's table. And if you haven't done it, I got to tell you, uh, the next time you go down there, and I you have to call in advance to make the reservation because I I think there's like eight seats or something like that, eight or 10 seats that they call the chef's table. And you're literally, if you go there with somebody, you're sitting next to them and you're both facing into the kitchen. And when I did it, uh, Andrew uh, Sutton was the, was uh, in the kitchen working wow. and he comes over, he chats with you. And, and I've chatted with him a couple of times over the years. Um, and he, he just, talks, you know, asks about food allergies or anything like that that you might have or things that you don't particularly care for. And he customizes uh, a, it's, it, I think it's like a five course meal uh, or something like that. And you sit there and you're watching them prepare it and they're bringing it over to you. And, and the other thing I love about the Napa Rose is that they have a killer wine menu. They, they have a killer wine list. And, uh, and so, you know, you can do wine pairings, uh, with, with your meals and they really do a nice job in that restaurant. I was told at one time that nearly every server that works there is a sommelier. I don't know, but I would not be surprised because that's the level of quality of that restaurant. It's like the servers are professional servers and they know their business, you know, I, I've eaten there so many times over the years since it opened. And I have to tell you, I've not had a bad experience there. The servers are fantastic. The food is always top quality and the wines, I, I mean, you know, you, you just enjoy them so much because they're really paired to the meal you're having. Yeah, it's it's a really cool place. I love the food there. And like you said, with the shopping for seasonal ingredients and the menus changing seasonally, that is the one thing that I think that all of Disney's signature restaurants that are in hotels do amazingly well is everything is seasonal. And so the menus change 
you know, pretty much every three months. So when you eat there one time, there's a good chance that there's, you know, a completely different dish for you to try the next time. Yeah. And that's really great because I mean, that's, that's all sort of the outgrowth of the whole farm to fork movement uh, that that's been going on for quite some time. And, and so really, I think good restaurants for, for really culinary experiences uh, are, are doing that and, and really coming up with inventive menus because that's what people really want. You know, uh, I mean, if, if, if I'm going to go out to dinner, I'm not going to order, you know, steak and fries because I can get that anywhere. You know, I, I want to go to a restaurant that has some interesting, um, interesting dishes, uh, on the menu and uh, and that that to me is part of the whole experience. And of course, the decor in in the Napa Rose is is just so comfortable and, and warm. It's it's a it's a yeah. really beautiful environment that that uh, you know craftsman architecture and the stained glass and all of that. Uh, I I, th- I find it just a, a really comfortable environment to have a really great meal. And by the way. You don't necessarily have to go there just to sit at a table uh, and have a full blown meal. I've gone in there a couple of times. They have a lovely lounge, lounge off yeah, the, the bar, right? And so you can get some small plates and have a drink uh, and, and not have to have a you know a two and a half hour dinner. Yes, the, the lounge is really remarkable. I actually have been in there, and it's you know nice uh, round bar that you could sit at. Uh, there's like a huge stained glass right in the middle of it. It's it's really a great decor in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Kristen, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to ask Bubba if he had any, did he just go for drinks or did he have some? No, we actually kind of walked through it. It was um, actually kind of a uh, week they opened. Uh, we did a little walkthrough just because I wanted to see, you know, once something opens, you want to see everything. And, oh, yeah. Wow, it looked remarkable in there. Uh, just I have not yet had a meal inside Napa, which well, I, I'll tell you, if you do go down there, you ought to you ought to splurge and do the chef's table. Oh, I'm planning on that right there. It's just a great experience <laughs> and, and all around. I mean, I I, I can't uh, uh, speak about it enough. And and the other interesting thing I was going to say is that you know, having worked at Disney for for so long over the years, I I'd occasionally get somebody asking me. It usually happens once or twice a year. Oh, can you get me into Club Thirty Three? Well, you know, 33 is a membership. Uh, you know, it's almost like a belonging to a country club, you know, and uh, and I don't have a membership to it. Uh, so, I, you know, there were people I could call and, and, you know, could get a reservation. But most of the time, I would steer people to the Napa Rose and tell them that it would be a and, – and by the way, I did that before – um, they did the renovation of the renovation. Club 33, right? Because I had eaten at Club 33 over the years, and back in the 90s, uh, you know, I was underwhelmed with the meals, I have to say. I, You know, the, the experience of being in, in Club 33 was cool, uh, but I was underwhelmed by the food at that time. And it wasn't until they did the full-blown renovation of Club 33 and expanded it. And then when Andrew Sutton took over as the executive chef for the entire resort and he put in executive chefs in each one of those key restaurants, uh, you know, to me, 
the food jumped up in quality. Uh, and, and so the last time I was there was actually in December. Last December, I had a meal at Club 33 at Disneyland, and it was superb. I mean, absolutely superb. And, it, and at the holidays, they were they had carolers in costume in the restaurant. So they'd come over to your table oh, wow. and they'd do, a, they'd do a, a, a Christmas carol for you. Do you, remember cool. what you had? do you remember what you had? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the tough questions. Yeah, that is a, a hard question because each dish was different. It's different, yeah. There was, there was, was it the five-course meal? Yeah, yeah. and there was uh, the fish... And I can't even remember what the fish was off the top of my head, but the fish was superb. It was excellent. Um, but it was a white fish. Uh, and I'm trying to remember how it was prepared. And by the way, anytime I mention white fish, I'm, I'm going to veer off to the flying fish in Orlando. But <laughs> I, you know, we're not going to talk about the Florida resort. We'll, we'll save that for another time. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, what's funny is I remember what I had because I've been to Club 33 twice and I want to say the first time I know was in 2009 which was my first trip to Disneyland and then I believe the second time was in 2011 but it was before they did the renovations but I haven't been back since then but I do remember what I ordered for my entree the first time that I went there and it was monkfish because I remember I was like this is very similar to like lobster and like texture and flavor but mm. that's the only only thing I remember that I've had there I, uh, you know, I have a hard time sometimes remembering what I had at some, uh, at some of these restaurants, but I never, like, some of my favorite restaurants that I've gone to frequently, like the Flying Fish down in Orlando, uh, <laughs> i got to tell you, it's it, it just... Um, you know, I, it's, it's an un, unforgettable experience for me. Um, but I, I know in December there was, um, they, they did a, uh, uh, rack of lamb. There, there was, oh, wow. uh, they, they had some lamb, uh, and, uh, I don't remember what the other thing was. I'm not sure if it was a, might've been a king, uh, it might've been a, uh, a king salmon possibly uh, oh, wow. as the fish. Although it, uh, for some reason, I remember it being a white fish. It must so. It's a white fish. Yeah. I think it might, may, maybe it was the monkfish. I don't know. So, anyway, it was, it was just, you know, just the, the whole ambiance. And, and, and if you're lucky enough to sit near a window, you know, the French doors and look down uh, out into the park, uh, it's just such a beautiful experience. Not not the best experience though for the fireworks. I don't think. Yeah, you have the trees kind of blocking yeah, the way. Yeah, you, have a, you have a great view of Fantasmic, but yeah. the fireworks show. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah. Go somewhere else for that. Whereas, you know, down in Orlando, I keep veering back there, but uh, the California Grill on the top of the Contemporary Resort, you have this spectacular view of the fireworks show in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and even if you want to, you can actually get up now once they did the renovation and go outside. There's like a nice little bridge that people stand and take pictures and stuff like that of the fireworks from, too. Uh, wow. I wish we had something like that again in Disneyland, like a little bridge or something. Thing, just a little bit higher you can watch the fireworks show because everything is down level on the ground yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of almost like a, a terrace that's just there specifically for people to be able to watch the the fireworks, you know? Yeah. We used to go on to, um, in a, well, it was interventions at the one, but now it's the, uh, I don't even know what they use it for now at Disneyland, but of the, the second floor, we would watch the fireworks from there when they would allow us to. And that was probably one of the best views I've had. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I've been to Club 33 a whole bunch of times uh, over the years. I feel fortunate because I've been invited there to do some presentations on some of my books over the years and do special events for, for the membership and stuff like that. So it was always nice to, to be able to get up there and, and have a nice dinner as well. But, um, you know, some of the, the more accessible restaurants at the resort uh, I, I like that, um, uh, the winery restaurant in DCA. Um, and I know we, we talked just briefly about it before we, we went on air here, but yeah, wine country. Yeah. Wine country. I, I like that restaurant a lot. I find the atmosphere very relaxing. Yeah. And that's, they've got the upstairs like the upstairs area too where they've got a little i think it's called alfredo something or alfresco uh terrace up there and i know they've changed the name of it a few times but we often go and sit up there and get you know some wine and order some you know meats and cheeses and some of the little like tapas style you know plates and just sit up there and eat and drink and you know before you know it three four hours has gone by and you're like oh my gosh i didn't even realize you know, yeah. here all this time we're just like talking and because it is it's so laid back and relaxing and you know you just kind of it's easy to lose time I, I wish they had more spots like that. Um, there, there's not enough of them, you know, uh, uh, where you can go sit on a terrace and, and and just sort of for a couple hours enjoy yourself. I, I know yeah. most people go down there and, and a lot of people go there, you know, uh, they want to go on all the rides and attractions and stuff like that. But I, but I don't know. I think sometimes with, especially with people who have uh, the annual passes, you know, just to be able to go and hang out at a place, uh, you know, if you don't feel like going on some of the attractions, I don't know. It's definitely a good hangout spot just to relax, you know, and I mean, we've, yeah, like Kristen said, we've enjoyed ourselves so many, so many times. We don't know where the time flies when we're there. It just happens to go by so fast, but um, it's, the wine is always great. The, the ambiance is always good and you get to see out, towards DCA you could see cars land straight down the road yeah um, you know and it was that's such a great view I love that view right there the uh yeah go ahead I was gonna say it's also one of those places that um you can see the Disneyland cats too because you know occasionally they'll Disney come cats. out and look, look and see if if you know anybody's dropped some little crumbs that they can you know clean up for you <laughs> <laughs> You know, just down from from the winery is the Carthay Circle. One of my uh, favorites. And that that's a terrific restaurant as well. Uh, and uh, and they they have a they have a, a a terrace with tables on it. Yes, uh, up there. 
You could actually see the fireworks too from there at Disneyland, which is a that's kind of a good hidden spot. Even though you can't hear the music or hear any of the audio, you could still have you still have a great view of the fireworks from right there. Yeah, it's uh, and and again, wonderful culinary experience there. I think um, you know they they always have some interesting uh, entrees on their menu, and uh, again, uh, they have uh, a good bar. A good good wine list. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah we ate there oh, in August. We ate there in August. Yes, we did. When uh, when we were there for D twenty three, and we always Alzon and I always do if we're going to be there for something like that, make sure that we have five days at the park, so that way we've got days that we can really just sit back and enjoy things the way somebody who's, you know, a local annual pass holder gets to enjoy the park instead of having to do things that we can't do when we go to, you know, Walt Disney world and worry about making sure we get the things in that we, we want to do. And uh, so, it, yeah, we, we love just to hang out there. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely a nice spot. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how many people know it, but 1901 is, uh, is, is a, the offshoot of club 33 that's in DCA. And that that's tucked in on the side of uh, the Carthay circle. That's the only place I have not been inside at you know, in I, the resort. Yeah. I've only been in there a handful of times because people have dragged me in there. Not, <laughs> you know what I mean, it was, uh, I was with somebody or I saw somebody and said, Oh, come on in here, you know? And, uh, and, and you know, I went in and, and, and had a, uh, a drink and relaxed in the coolness of the uh, air conditioning. Did they make you a drink as soon as you walked in? You didn't have to tell because that's what some people say. As soon as you walk in, they're already making you just a drink to have. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we went in and sat over at uh, we sat at a small table over on the bar side uh, uh, of of the uh, of nineteen oh one, and and there was somebody right there that came over and took our orders, and and they got the drinks fairly quickly. I thought. Yeah, I heard they make a killer Manhattan over there. I I haven't had that. I I've had a gin and tonic there, which was very good. Although my mother would say that that's a waste of gin. Gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they put on a show and everything. They do the you know the little ice. They make the little ice balls for your Manhattan and everything, nice and fancy, which I I can't wait to experience. That's awesome! Awesome. I'm trying to think what else I, I've eaten at so many different places around there. Some of them are, you know, the fast food uh, uh, places in the park. But but being able to sit down and have a meal at, at some of those places like that we've talked about so far is just part of the great experience of going down to those parks. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in the Eat Like Walt book, he mentions how important food is like in the, in the beginning of the book and it's talking about Disneyland and where the restaurants and everything and the, the different places, he makes it sound like that is, you know, a a whole other level of experience and entertainment and, you know, that it's something that is very important, you know? So that's the one thing I thought was really cool to read in that book was 
how important he saw that aspect of people visiting the park and that it wasn't just like your traditional, you know, park that you go to and, and have, you know, just hot dogs and hamburgers and that kind of stuff that it was going to, it was going to be more than just that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That book was written by Marcy. Uh, I, I know her. She, she's a lovely person and uh, she lives up in Northern California and, and so, you know, she, she did a terrific job on that book. I really thought it was, it was just wonderful, uh, uh, the way she put it together. And, uh, and I, I, I agree though. I, I think, you know, when you go out to me, it's, it should be an experience, you know, it, it should be an immersive experience very much like the attractions at Disneyland, uh, you know, where you go into and, uh, and immerse yourself in an environment. One of the, one of the things I really enjoy about uh, the Napa Rose is the fact that they have an open kitchen, and so you can see the the um, the kitchen staff uh, moving about, and you know everybody in there has got their specialist. Somebody handling salads, somebody's handling desserts. You know the sous chefs, the 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 executive chef, you know, and everybody's doing a dance uh, in, in there, and it's wonderful to watch. And that's why I I, I so enjoyed being at the chef's table that time uh, was because you you you're not only having this culinary feast for for your taste buds, but you're also you know, visually and, and, and with your ears, you're, you're hearing the, this, you know, ballet that you're watching this ballet that's going on in the kitchen. Oh yeah. And it's, it's crazy how smooth kitchens have their routines down and you don't have people tripping over somebody else. And, you know, those, those kinds of things that you may see on, you know, some show that, you know, Gordon Ramsay does. You know? or, <laughs> or, or, or restaurant bar rescue. Bar rescue. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that show can be a nightmare to watch. Yes. Yes. The cool thing is speaking of, you know, having an open kitchen and talking about shows like Bar Rescue and, and such, that stuff, you know, some of the crazy things that you see in those kitchens, they can't happen when you have an open kitchen because, Yep. Everybody sees exactly <laughs> what you're doing, well, what I mean, you're saying. They can happen at certain ones. I mean, but yeah, that's, it's definitely that this is what sets Disney apart from any other theme park that you can think of. This is why it's not called, it's called a resort for a reason, because you have everything there. You have five-star restaurants. You have the ultimate guest experience. You have attractions that are some of the best high-tech attractions in the world. And you this is what set Disney's apart. I mean, food is definitely important when it comes to any type of resort that you go to and, you know, having that type of experience, especially at Napa Rose, you know, you, you can't beat that. You could only go to restaurants in downtown LA to experience stuff like that, you know, somewhere around here. Well, you know, the, the other interesting thing about the restaurants within the parks themselves is that it, it actually, I think raises the bar 
for the other restaurants that come into like downtown Disney. Uh, and, and there's some terrific little eateries along downtown Disney. And, and I guess what, what's it called now? Some, a Disney Springs down in, uh, Orlando, uh, which, which they've gone through a number of retooling and renovations of that whole area. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, just, going into downtown Disney, uh, there's some really lovely places to eat at. And again, it's all about the environment. It's, it's having, you know, it's sitting in a nice place that's nicely appointed or themed. Yeah. I like Ralph Brennan's jazz kitchen. That's one of my favorite places in downtown Disney to sit and eat. And it's, it is beautiful too. There's, there's also, there, there's like a new Orleans style place. That's the one place. Yeah. What's it called? Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen. Yes, that's the place. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. I've really enjoyed that because, again, you know, the architecture and the decor of uh, of the place to me is almost as important as what the menu is going to be in, in my mind, especially if I want to go and spend a couple of hours in a place. You know, I, I want to sit in a nice environment. I, I think that adds to the whole uh, ambiance uh, of the experience. Jazz Kitchen definitely has that when it comes yeah. to the New Orleans type, you know, bayou experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're pretty good there. There was another place over at the Disneyland Hotel, and I, I can't recall the name of it. Um, you go up the escalator, I think it was more of like a bar, bar restaurant. You know, it was like small plates and drinks. And I, I can't recall the name of it. Mm. Goofy's. Uh, well, it's Goofy's Kitchen. Goofy's Kitchen. That's, that's, a, that's more of a the buffet character dining. No, it's not. But they do have a bar next door to that. I forgot what the bar is called. Yeah. There is a bar next door to that. Yeah, yes, I think right that's that, yeah, that's that's the place. I knew there was a goofy nearby. Yeah. <laughs> There's, one right behind you. There's one right behind you. There's one behind you too. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the name of that place is. But but that's a fun place if you if you have you know if you're looking to escape the crowds sometimes uh, to to go over to to the Disneyland Hotel. Um, yeah, you know, I was just talking to a guy named Don Ballard, who's an author. He he's written a couple of books on the Disneyland Hotel and the whole history of it, and uh, it's just it, it's a fascinating story behind it. But but the the history of that complex is so uh, interesting, you know. So I, I do like to go over there occasionally. When it comes to theming, like you said, and it being you know almost as important as the food and having a unique experience. You know, there's plenty of places to do that, but I'll tell you the one place that Disney definitely did it right. And I don't think they anticipated it being as popular is Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar. I was about to say that. That place (laughs) always had us people waiting in a line outside to be able to go inside and have a drink in there 
Yeah. That's one of our, it definitely could have been a bigger, bigger bar, a bigger place. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of small, but it is fun over there too. That's the drinks are excellent. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And they're strong. (laughs) (laughs) And they're strong. We had, we actually had a party there. uh, Kristen and Al, John and I, uh, a listener party a couple years ago for D23, which we had, we, we actually had a lot of people come out for that. I don't know if you remember that Kristen. Oh, I do. That was 20, was it 2011 or 2013? No, no, it was probably 15, 2015, I believe. And oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And wow, that was quite the experience. We had, we had so many people come out and everybody was drinking, have good time, great food. Um, and it was like the day before D23. Wow. Uh, you know, it's always great when you get together with a good group of people that, you know, have similar interests, uh, you know, obviously around Disney. Uh, it's always fun. It is. It is. And it's funny because I think Disney is something that, you know, it's, it's a good way to meet other, you know, people. You find out, oh, we both like Disney. But from there, you find out other things that you have in common with people, you know, what. Maybe you like the same kind of movies or you you have the same creative outlet and, you know, different things like that that you find about out about people that, you know, sometimes just turns a chance meeting like, you know, it just happened to be. That's how we met. That's how I met Kristen and Al John. Oh, wow. that's great. We, we were doing, uh, Alton and I were doing a meet back when Cove Bar was around and it was in, I believe 2011, wasn't it? Yes. Bubba? Yes. And Bubba and his wife Taylor showed up and we just became, you know, within a few minutes we're talking and we find out other things we have in common and became, you know, instant friends. And you know, now look, we nine years later, podcast. <laughs> hey, but you know, that, that, that's the cool thing though. I mean, there, there is a, there's a wonderful spirit about uh, Disney and there's a lot of facets to the Disney universe uh, that people yes. are interested in, you know, and, and that, that's what I, I kind of love about talking, uh, to people, you know, whether it's at a D 23 or at, at, at a club event or something like that. Um, you know, you, you hear all these interesting stories and, and, and you hear people talking about, you know, sometimes almost like, you know, some, something you hadn't thought about, you know, and, and that person is so knowledgeable about that one thing, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, their favorite attraction or, or some piece of history about the park. And, and that's always fun to, to hear those firsthand from, from some of those folks. I agree. Yeah, I thought I thought it was cool that one of the things that, you know, Bub and I just found out other outside of, you know, liking Disney, which is how we met, but was how much we both like food and cooking and got into, you know, we both had worked in restaurants. You find out these other things that have nothing to do with Disney, yeah. but you're so much alike in, and that it gives you, you have other things to talk about. It's not just Disney fans sure. together talking just Disney, that they right, have nothing right. else in common. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, Baba, uh, what did you do in the restaurant industry? I've done practically everything from 
busing to general man to management management. Um, okay. You name it, I've done it. Wow. Serving, cooking, uh, you know, everything. Barbecuing, grilling was my one of my. We talked about this in one of our past podcasts. Barbecuing was my favorite. I would barbecue in front of people, cook their steaks and everything. Uh, you know, so I mean, you name it, I've done it. Wow. And what about you, Kristen? What what did you do in the restaurant industry? I was mostly front of house. So I had started my first job ever was to be a hostess. (laughs) But once once I started college, I needed to I was paying for it, so I had to find a way to make, you know, a good bit of money and not, you know, be in in debt in some way. So I paid for my school as I went along. So I started waiting tables. And if they needed me, you know, to expedite or help with something else and ended up, you know, I was one of the head weights. So my job was at the end of the night, you, I got to make sure all the other servers have everything the way they're supposed to be, or I get to be the one to stay and, you know, (laughs) fix all their, their mistakes. So, but yeah, I had done that all through college. I've uh, I've washed dishes and I bust tables, and I did that when I was in high school. Um, I I used to work at a there was a little restaurant. It had been uh, opened in 1933. It was called Dick and Dora's, and as from the name, the couple that opened it were named Dick and Dora. Uh, but I worked for the second owners who kept the name because it was sort of a you know, mainstay on Long Island. And, uh, and that was, uh, Joe and Helen Rogowski and, and Joe Joe was a world war two veteran who actually was in Pearl Harbor when it was attacked and, and cut, uh, open the hull of a ship, you know, and a set lean torch to rescue some sailors. And he was a pilot. And he would, every December 7th, he would fly his biplane over the Statue of Liberty and throw a dozen roses out in memory wow. uh, uh, of the attack. And, uh, but it was, it was a wonderful little place right on the water. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find it if you weren't like a local from the area, you know, it was one of those kinds of things, but, but yeah, a lot of fond memories of of working at that restaurant when I was uh, in high school. Is that still open today? You know, uh, that's a good question. I am not a hundred percent sure. The last I'm trying to remember now. I think it was, but I think it may have been sold for like, you know, uh, condos or something, you know? Yeah. It was, it was something else. He was a real character though, because, uh, you know, he, he had this, uh, this baboon as a, as a pet. And, what? Yeah, and it and it bit it bit him, and so it, he he had, he had this group. He had this veterinarian and a group of taxidermists come to the restaurant. He put on this big feast. I don't know if you can hear me. Yes. 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 Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I accidentally clicked. Oh, okay. He, he put oh, on. This, <laughs> he put on this big feast uh, for this group. And, and right before they sat down to eat, 
the veterinarian went over to the cage and gave the baboon an injection to put it to sleep. Uh, and, and then they had this big meal. And then after the meal, the taxidermist guy uh, uh, took the baboon away. And then I saw it a couple months later, I guess. Oh, wow. And he had it stuffed like this. <laughs> oh my! I'm glad, they didn't, I'm glad they didn't eat the baboon or no, anything no, like that. monkey it, brains or but, something but, like that. But apparently, you know, he, he would he would come down every so often. He bring it he bring it into the dining room to show somebody. You know, every every once in a while, he he bring this thing in. I mean, it was it's, it was a real play. It was a place that had a lot of character. I'll put it to you that way. He could definitely use that to like if he had children or grandchildren. Don't bite me because this is. What's going to happen to you? <laughs> I know. Terrible. But yeah, it was. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of great memories at restaurants. I have to say. Yeah, I, you know, some people look at food as like food is fuel. That's my, that's the way my best friend is. She, she eats because she has to eat, not because she loves food. And it's so funny because people be like, how, how can you be all about food and drink and you love to cook and all this stuff? And your best friend like, doesn't get that at all. I was like, we just, you know, just something we don't have in common. It's, it's therapy sometimes. So. Yeah, I think, I think to some people, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I so enjoy going to, uh, you know, some of the restaurants we talk to and just having an unhurried, unrushed, lovely meal, not gigantic portions, but, you know, smaller portions and a number of courses paired with wines it's it's just it's just such a great experience to me, and, and to do it while you're sitting above you know crowds of people that are streaming through the park is, is also uh, brings a little joy. I think it's definitely for me something that going out to eat is a social thing. You know, like you said, to be able to sit there and have the time to enjoy the, the food and the drink and, and the company because that, that those are everlasting memories you have then. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. I mean, to me, you don't want to do that kind of thing by yourself. You, you really have to do it with, but I like to do it with small groups, you know, I like, you know, uh, four, four or six people around the table and just having some, some good conversation and uh, and enjoying uh, that kind of culinary experience together. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely agree with you guys there. <laughs> I do. It's 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 so much fun. I mean, with Kristen and Al John, when they come down, we we just have so much fun, just chatting, eating, and drinking. You know. Yeah, because that's probably the big part of our planning when we go. It's like where are we going to eat and what days do we want to eat at those places? And then everything else, we just work around what, what places we, you know, this is a must go to, you know, dinner or this, you know, and that way we can just kind of plan everything else around it. And, you know, you know, there was, there was another place that I, uh, it was more of a fast food place, but it was over in uh, critter country. Hungry uh, bear. The, is it still there? I Hungry Bear is still there. It's yeah, right there I haven't been back food. there in a while, uh, but they—they, they, I thought they served up a pretty nice burger. They do. They have a great burger, great beer battered onion rings, yeah. and and if I have 
funnel cake that'll knock your socks off. It has. Wow. Yeah, that believe it has the. It's like an apple pie, uh, funnel. Yeah. Cake. Oh, oh it's my so good. gosh. So it's and it's also it's also another entrance to uh, Galaxy's Edge too. One of the third entrance. Oh, is oh, <laughs> it is okay. So I I actually aside from going down in December. And I went down there because I did a presentation on my Oswald book at the, uh, what was it, at the uh, Grand Californian Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a presentation in one of the ballrooms there. And and so while I was there, I, you know, they had put me up in the Grand Californian. So the, the day I got there, that evening, we went into Disneyland to Club 33 to have dinner. And then we came out and the next day I did my whole presentation shtick and, and then jumped in the car and drove home. Right. So I didn't, I have not been to uh, galaxy's edge. Uh, I, I have not done it since it opened last year because I was one of apparently millions of people who said, I'm not going there. <laughs> you know, I want the crowds to subside. And, and somebody was telling me they were walking down main street. And they're like, hello, anybody home? It was <laughs> a ghost town. The park was a ghost town with the first month it was open. Well, it you know, was there insane. was so, there was so much hype about, you know, uh, Galaxy's Edge, and it was gonna. The place was gonna be slammed with people, and they were putting in reservations and everything. I think that that just scared everybody off, and people just said, "Oh, I, I'm gonna wait six months before I go see that." Yes. People you know? are still waiting, <laughs> and there's and and I am one of those people that is still waiting. Yeah, a lot of people said they were going to wait for the third attraction, the other attraction to open, which was yeah. Rise of Resistance, and it opened, but then everything happened. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, I still haven't ridden it. I, uh, yeah. So I'm just hoping hoping we get this over with. And you know what? I I, I'm very optimistic. The, this pandemic will end. I don't know when it's going to end, but it'll end. And, and we're going to be, I, I told people, I think the 2020s are going to be the roaring twenties. again. <laughs> yes. I, I really do. You know? And, <laughs> uh, and I think that, I think that, you know, people are going to be thankful to be able to safely go out of their homes. And I think people are going to flood back to the parks, flood back to restaurants and, and really sort of there's going to, there's a pent up demand for it, you know? And, and I think people cannot wait. Uh, and that'll happen. It, you know, it may not happen until after the holidays, but it'll happen, you know, and, and we'll get through it. We we're very resilient in this country and we're going to get through this and, and move on and, and move forward and be stronger for it, as they say. I think it's going to be a lesson for a lot of businesses and new ways to to operate and stuff like that because everybody's having to change the way that they're they're doing things and I think it's going to change things for some people, you know, permanently. I think some people are going to find out that they get to now forever work from home because businesses think it's a better idea, you know, they get just as much stuff done and they don't have to pay for a big building. So I think, I think we'll see some changes from it that may end up being great changes from it. I, I, I think so. I, I, I'm, uh, 
very, very much optimistic about it. But, but the other thing, too, that was a bit shocking early on was when, when the pandemic was really taking hold, uh, I, I thought it was kind of disturbing that there were some restaurant companies that thought, like, we're going to go bankrupt. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, you can't close for a month without going bankrupt? You don't have a cushion? Yeah, you know, because I I heard the cheesecake factory was uh, struggling really? financially, and I'm like, wait a second, they're a publicly held company. Yeah, you know, shouldn't they have like you know some kind of rainy day fund? And maybe maybe that's part of what's going to come out of this. Maybe businesses are going to realize that they actually have to have maybe a, a okay. larger cushion for you know some sort of a mishap uh, that's uh, you know. Uh, you can't plan for, uh, and, and you know, and I think I think the Walt Disney Company has done a pretty darn good job, all things considered, because they have so much public-facing, you know, parks and cruise lines, and you know, all of the stores, and you know, yeah. all of these things, and and I think they've done a pretty good job of pivoting to a direct-to-consumer type of company where, you know, their, their streaming business is doing really well. And, uh, and so I, I think they'll be stronger for it once, once this is over. That, that's for sure. You mentioned with the streaming and, you know, they just announced that Mulan, when they, the release date for Mulan, it's in September. I don't remember the exact date. It's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. But I think one thing we may end up seeing, which I kind of hope we do, because I know a lot, some people aren't comfortable ever going to movie theater. They don't like the fact that somebody's cell phone goes off or that people talk or that characters are comfortable for them. <laughs> so they, to have the option in the future, maybe, of businesses like Disney doing that, where not only I'm going to release it in the theater, but for those who want to watch it, say on Disney Plus, you can pay this amount and you can watch it from your home. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I, completely, I completely agree with you on that. I think that as the home entertainment systems have gotten so much better and the screens are getting bigger, you know, People have choices, and that's what's happening here. You realize back in the 1930s, uh, something like 75% of the American public went to a movie theater once a week. And that was because that's where they saw newsreels. That's yes. where they saw uh, cartoon shorts. They saw the and commercials, series, the serials. They saw commercials and the you know going to the movie wasn't just a movie. It was going for a whole program that you know would be the evening, and and that was their entertainment. There was no television. You know, it was it was either going to the local theater or listening to the radio. Uh, and, and and so since then the attendance to, uh, at theaters has slowly, slowly gone down. And so even before this pandemic, there, there was a, 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 a much smaller percentage of people, I think it was like 10, 10 or 15% at best, uh, who go to the movies. Uh, and most people opt to stay home and watch stuff. But, but I think that the movie theaters have to to really change the experience because they haven't for decades. Yeah. 
Well, you know? some, some have. You know, we, we, me and my wife, we do like going to the movies for big movies and stuff like that. You know, our local theaters here, they've done changes to where, you know, make it more in, you know, wanting you to come to the theater to where you can buy a, a popcorn bucket for 25 bucks. And then every time you go to the theater for the year, you can fill it up for $3 or $2. Right. And I mean, instead of paying the 10, $11, but now as you're saying, you know, with home people staying at home and everything, especially with food delivery businesses booming, you know, like all the delivery third party systems. I mean, it's people are staying home. And yeah, but I, I, you know, again, I think that that'll change somewhat. But but you know, yes, and I agree with you, Bubba, about some of the movie theaters are trying to make changes, and there's also the higher end movie theaters where you have the recliner. Yes, you push a button, and a, and a, 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 a waiter, a waiter yeah. waitress comes over to you and takes your order and then delivers. I, I went to one of those. Uh, some, some a friend of mine had uh, been given a bunch of gift cards to this uh, place in Pasadena, California. And so he and I went down there and I'm not joking. It was like $50 for, to go to the movies just to get in. Right. And wow. then, and then there was like, I ordered uh, a box of snow caps and it didn't come as a box of snow caps. They opened the box and they poured it into <laughs> a martini glass and they yeah. brought a martini glass filled with snow caps to me, you know, and, uh, and you could get alcoholic drinks if you wanted to. And, uh, it was, it was really a great experience, but most people can't do that. Exactly. And I'm yeah. talking about your general theater and, you know, doing reserve seating, which should have happened decades ago. I remember years ago when I was living in London, uh, I was working on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This is this is like the late 1980s, and and in the, in central London they had reserved seating. And when you bought your ticket, it would say the program starts at eight o'clock, and the film presentation starts at eight twenty. And you could show up at eight nineteen, and you knew your seats were there. Yeah. And you could go right into them instead of when a big movie opens, you, you know, you got to go early to wait online so that you get into the theaters. Uh, you know, some of the theaters are now doing more of the reserve seating, but you know, I have to tell you, I think they, they have a long way to go in, in making a great customer experience uh, not only at the concession stand, but in the theater itself. Yeah, in order to, uh, I, I think one of the things is, is, you know, people look at their value for their money. And so I think that's kind of where food's expensive, going to see a movie isn't, you know, isn't cheap, even if you're going to see it like a matinee. And if you live in a big city, it's even more expensive to go see, you know, a movie. And so I think sometimes that's why people don't go as often. When I was in college, we had a dollar movie theater that was nearby and I would go at least once a week, if not twice a week and was going to see, you know, movies like I saw the crow there and, you know, things like that. And, you know, I saw movies I would normally not see because it was a dollar. So you got me in the door to watch the movie, but now I'm going to buy a drink and I'm going to buy food and, you know, you're spending money elsewhere. So I think, 
but you said it's about figuring out the best thing to do for the customer experience to get them to keep coming back and wanting to go to the movie theater. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people that, uh, before this pandemic hit, I went to the movies, uh, almost on a weekly basis. A lot of times, uh, you know, either with my wife, Nancy, or I'd go with a buddy of mine to see, you know, some car chase movie or something like that. Uh, and, uh, oftentimes, uh, we'll spring for the extra couple of bucks and see the IMAX version of the film mm-hmm. because the IMAX theater is usually not shoulder to shoulder with people, you know? So you're a little, there's, there's a little bit more spread out, a little bit more breathing room. And, uh, and it's just a better experience because you have a larger screen, you have a better sound system. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, I think 80% of the movies that Hollywood turns out, you could watch on a good home entertainment system. You know, if you have a large flat panel screen, yeah, but it's that 20%, those tentpole movies, those Marvel type of films, uh, you know, or, or Star Wars or, you know, the, those types of, of pictures, I think you've got to see those on a, on a big screen and seeing it with an audience is, is part of that communal experience of entertainment. I just want to say I would have loved to have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit in IMAX. Uh, I don't know about you. I think that would have done phenomenal. I mean, it did phenomenal anyway, but in IMAX, I'm sorry, it would have been amazing. Yeah, and, and you know that I, I saw that I saw the film in a, in a in an old movie palace in downtown Los Angeles at a special screening. Uh, I think it was two years ago for the for the twenty fifth anniversary uh, of the film, or maybe it was more than two years ago. You anyway, actually, was, you actually, you actually came to downtown Disney for the twenty fifth anniversary. It was you, Don Hahn, and um, the voice of Roger Rabbit, I believe. I don't know if I believe you were there, and you guys did a whole presentation after the movie of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a Q and A thing. I don't uh, know if you remember that. I. If you say I was there, then I was. I've done so many of those things. They start to smear together. I bet they do. I bet they do. (laughs) They really do. But, you know, hey, uh, it's always, again, I I don't think that movie theaters are going to go away. But I do think you're going to see more drive-ins built. Yes, I, I love drive-in. Yeah, I think that I think you'll see a resurgence in drive drive-in theaters just because the technology is there now. You know that you can do a great experience and see a great picture outdoors. Uh, I I grew up. Uh, you know, my parents used to take my, myself and my brother and my sisters. We'd all pile into a station wagon, and uh, and they'd take us to the Johnny All Weather Drive-in in Amityville, Long Island, and uh, uh, yes. Home of the uh, no, say, that's isn't that home, of, home, Amityville of, home of the Amityville Horror, <laughs> uh, and we we go we go to the Johnny Allweather Drive-In and and see uh, a couple of films. In fact, I think the la- before they tore the place down, the last time I was at the Johnny Allweather Drive-In, I went and saw a triple feature. It was in October. And it was The Hills Have Eyes, oh. <laughs> uh, Autopsy, Autopsy, and there was one other film. I don't know. It would just scared the hell out of me. That was a horror triple feature. <laughs> wow. 
I can't do that. (laughs) We've got a drive in. It's about an hour away. And we usually go out a couple times a year to do things. But the last time we did a triple one, it was, let's see, Christopher Robin, Avengers, and Incredible 2 were all playing. Oh my God! That's like that's like five hours. About to say that's half your day. Five hours at the movie theater. Wow. That is that is for somebody like me who doesn't sit still. Well, that was quite an accomplishment for me to be able to make it through three movies. That's awesome. But it was fun. I like to go to the drive-in. It's you know one of those classic American things to do. And like you said, it it reminds me of when I was a kid and my parents would take my sister and I and you know when you go have go to the concessions at intermission and all that kind of stuff so I want us to start doing like a weekly where we do our own like little double feature at home and have popcorn and my sister was over and we were doing that this past weekend and I pulled up on my phone one of those old you know, intermission things where you go to the concession stand. Yeah. One minute until showtime. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I think they could, they, they definitely, the movie, the movie theater chains need to need to step up and, and make the experience much better uh, because it, it, it's not right now. Disney needs a movie theater. Well, you know, Disney does have a movie theater. They have the El Capitan in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. That's a beautiful, they fully restored that movie palace. I was there last September uh, with Don Hahn. Uh, We we did an intro of um, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas in 4D. Oh, yeah. It was was just, it's such a terrific, uh, well, great film, but terrific movie palace to see it in i i know we were i know we were meandering around because we were supposed to be talking about culinary uh delights down at the <laughs> disneyland resort we've 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 sort of been skidding all over the map here talking about <laughs> but you know something talking about food even the food service has not changed in a lot of these movie theaters. It's, it's like mind numbing, you know, to have to stand on a ridiculous line to, to get, you know, a drink and, and a box of candy or popcorn or something. And, and then, uh, you know, the person, the, the people behind the counter are moving in slow motion. You know. you know what they need is they need like Disney has the mobile order yeah, where you yes. can go in, order it, and it'll tell you when it's ready, and then you walk up to the concession stand and pick up your items. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, doing those kinds of things. I mean, I've seen one theater chain uh, where they uh, they actually uh, uh, just redesigned the concession area so that you're you're actually walking through and picking stuff up off of different stations. You know, and there's people there. Here's pop. They're putting popcorn up, and they're putting drinks up, and and you just grab and, and go to the register and pay. You know, uh, but uh, some of these theaters have not caught up to that, nor nor do they seem to be interested in wanting to. I, I mean, 
you know, again, they would make it a lot more uh, exciting for people to say, hey, let's go to the movies instead of, oh, I don't want to go to the movies. Uh, it's just going to be too crowded. It's going to be this, that, or the other thing. They need to do what a lot of companies are doing, and that is refocus their business on the customer, you know? And, oh, yeah. And, and, and work backwards from the customer experience. And that's what some of these places uh, really need to do. Anyway, um, I'm going to step off my soapbox. I'm going to step down off that soapbox and not say any more about it. (laughs) They can take some lessons from Disney on that as far as that that whole experience and and how to give customers what they want and make them happy and – yeah, and you know, I absolutely love going to the movies. You know, like I said, I, I generally go on a weekly basis and I try to see a lot of the big movies that come out throughout the year. I go to see them. I want to support those films and I also want to be entertained, you know, and there there's some wonderful movies that have been sort of put on the on hold right now because of yes. this pandemic, you know. I was so looking forward to the new Bond movie. Oh yeah. You know? And that hopefully will come out in November. Who knows? Definitely. That and Black Widow too. Well, I mean I'm a Marvel fan, so we definitely gotta wait for that one too. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Are they releasing that in November now? Which Black Widow, I do not know right now. James uh, Bond, I haven't heard about yet. Yeah, Bond, I think, was moved to November, but, you know, like Tenet is a moving target right now because that was supposed to be released in the spring. It was supposed to be a big summer movie, and now it's been pushed into September, and it may move again. And then I heard that they may do some sort of hybrid release where it releases the theaters overseas uh, during one period and hold it for here. I don't know. They're they're all trying to they're they're, they're trying to figure out what the best thing is uh, because some of those movies are uh, insanely expensive, like Mulan. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the, the interesting thing about Mulan and the announcement that they were going to do that as a, uh, uh, a download for streaming, uh, as at a premium price is that, you know, they may find that doing that, uh, actually brings in more than they would have gotten at the box office. I don't know. I possibly, Yeah. But, but again, unless you've got a big, you know, you got to have a nice, you know, 70, 80 inch screen, you know, uh, on the wall and a good sound system, uh, you know, a movie like that might not uh, have the same impact as it would on a big screen. Yeah. But again, it's choices. And I do see the release windows closing. I do see at some point, you know, when they release a movie, people can either watch it at home or watch it in a movie theater, <laughs> which means the movie theaters really do have to step up and start creating a great guest experience uh, and not just opening the doors and uh, having people rush in uh, to try and grab seats and and 
waiting. I haven't, yeah. I haven't done but, that in a while, actually, trying to yeah. go in and grab a seat. I love the reservation system. I mean, the last time I did that was Force Awakens, where I stood in line for about 12 hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that anymore. I, I can't. I want to I I go online, buy my tickets, reserve the seats, and then show up. So the only missing piece now is they theaters need to put in the uh, concession stand app, you know, where where you can then just show up and pick up your stuff Mobile at the order. appropriate time. Yep. That would you be know. smart. Take a lesson from Disney movie theaters. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think of anything else we haven't haven't talked about. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can talk. We can continue we talking can for hours, can, but yeah. I know you have to end your show at some point. <laughs> this is going to be a ten-part show. I know, really, <laughs> but it's all interesting, though. It's all, you know it's what? all a great time. I, I would like to come back and talk about the uh, restaurants down in Orlando at, at uh, Walt Disney World because, to me, boy, I I've been thinking on and off about that potato crusted <laughs> red snapper. On the flying fish. Reduction sauce uh, at the flying fish. And also the chef's counter at the flying fish is a great experience. Uh, Again, open kitchen. You can see what they're doing. And that the chef is bringing over each course and explaining what it is to you. It's really just a, I think, a great experience. We will definitely have to talk about that sometime before the end of this year. We'll do. We'll have you on to talk about Walt Disney World restaurants, and, and that'll be fun. Just right. everybody something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to doing that, and then we'll real soon. And then we'll do a show on the cruise lines. Ooh, <laughs> I've I've done one Disney cruise. That's all right. But yeah, definitely. We can do that too. Yeah. I think there's some wonderful restaurants on the cruise ships. Nice. Well, that gives everybody something to uh, look forward to in a a future. Nice little little teaser. Nice little teaser at the end of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, Bubba and uh, Kristen, it was so great to be on the show with you. I really had a good time talking about some of these wonderful restaurants uh, down at the Disneyland uh, Resort. It's just, uh, can't wait for everything to reopen. Yes. Well, we are so glad that you were able to, to join us and so that people can follow you on, because you know, you're on Instagram and some places like that. So, Dave, why don't you tell everybody where they can, can find you and find your books and everything else? Okay. So, um, well, you can go, uh, if you want to look at uh, what books I have, and I also have a ton of free content on, on my website, which is www.davidbossert.com. David and we will Bossert. have it in the show. Yeah, you put it, put it in your show notes, com, And then, of course, I'm on Instagram, as you mentioned. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, I've got a Patreon going uh, for uh, restoring some lost uh, films uh, that I've been oh. tracking down. Uh, people can check that out. There's links to all of those things on my uh, website. But I, you know, going back to the website, I do want to mention that there's a there's a tab called articles, and there's probably I think there's like 55 articles up there on all different topics to do with Disney animation and. 
Disney in World War II, and uh, there's an article I wrote for the Henry Ford Museum on cinema and what's happening with the evolution of cinema. Uh, there's, uh, there, there's a great piece on uh, the Mickey Mouse gas mask that uh, uh, Disney developed during World War II. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of interesting and fun uh, articles that people can, can read and it's all free. There's, there's no charge. They can go in and click on the things that they like and, and read them. So uh, have at it if they'd like to. And, uh, and then of course I've got uh, 3d Disneyland, like you've never seen it before. Uh, and that's releasing in October. Uh, we are doing a special signed limited edition book uh, that's available. And if people are interested in that, they can go to the old mill press.com. And I'm sure Kristen, you'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I definitely will. And I will tell you that those are going fast. We're only doing 750 signed and numbered books. Uh, those are going fast. I think it's going to be sold out in the next couple of weeks. And, oh, wow. uh, and so if it does sell out, People will still be able to pre-order it uh, and get it in uh, mid-October on uh, the online booksellers. That's awesome. I cannot wait to check out that book. I mean, to get to put some 3D glasses on and flip through a book of, you know, Disney back in the day. <laughs> oh, 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 here we go. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are in 3D. <laughs> 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 That'd be crazy we need to do a 3D show That'd be awesome <laughs> Anyways, uh, th- thank you for, for letting me mention some of those things for, for folks I appreciate it and thanks for putting them in the show notes it was so great talking with you guys it was great having you here guys if you haven't already liked subscribed and click the notification bell uh on facebook instagram any of those social media places for dining at disney make sure you do that and also visit dining at disney.com uh there you'll find the links for all the different podcast shows including this one you can check it out on youtube and facebook later as well so if you want to watch it you can do that as well as listen to it on anchor and i do want to give a shout out to one of our top fans Lindsay. she is one of our donators on uh on anchor's site so I've got to come up with something cool to get out to her. So thanks, Lindsay. Thanks that. for supporting <laughs> dining at Disney. Oh, there's awesome. one right there. A shout out from Dave right there. That's that's <laughs> paid for that. <laughs> well, guys, until next time, I'm Kristen. With me, of course, is Bubba, and today our very special guest, Dave Bostert. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank so you. Much. you were amazing. Is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its holdings and is intended for entertainment purposes.